Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder. This week, break out your casting spells because we've got the Harry Potter veterinarian, Dr. Michael Miller. You don't want to miss this illuminating conversation. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And this week, we're tackling a silly topic, quite frankly. We're going to talk about the fun and joy in veterinary medicine and maybe even how someone like J.K. Rowling inspired one young veterinarian to find their happiness and joy. But before we get into that story and spells, as always, I am one of your hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And I'm so excited we have conjured up today's guest <laughs> to join us because at the end of the day, if you know me, you know I don't take myself very seriously. I love love being silly and this veterinarian has truly embraced having imagination in the veterinary practice and that's what he's here to talk to us about today. Dr. Miller, we are so excited to have you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Oh, well, we appreciate you. that. Now, you know, if you don't already know Dr. Miller and if you aren't following him on Instagram as the Harry Potter vet, check him out because what he does is really interesting and he makes some crazy affiliations and some associations. But before he ended up the Harry Potter vet, he's got a, a really interesting background. And and Dr. Miller, I'd love for you to share this with our guests because you are not one of the veterinarians who knew from day one they wanted to be one. Is that right? Nope, not me. Uh, looking back, there were definitely signs that I probably ignored, but uh, I went to college thinking I was going to be a marine biologist. Um, I'm from the Midwest, so that seems like a weird thing to think, but <laughs> I decided to go to school in Florida. And uh, my first semester, I went deep sea fishing and got violently seasick and decided maybe that wasn't the right career path for me. Um, so I, I was at a smaller university and the only other club on campus that really did anything with animals was the pre-vet club. So I decided to try that out. And as a freshman in college, I was kind of exposed to that and everything that I learned, I loved. And I came home and begged the local vet to let me come and spend the summer there. And the rest is history. Well, so the rest is history, but this history is just being written. So you you then go to the University of Illinois, graduate in 2011, so yep. a good while ago. And then you, what happened after that? I uh, went straight into private practice. Uh, I learned my fourth year. Uh, I had always been a really good student up until about the second year of vet school <laughs> and decided, you know what, uh, real life is calling and I, I really want to kind of get out there and do that. And so even though I had um, a couple of professors encourage me to do internship and residency, I decided that I wanted to get into private practice and I wanted to be a general practitioner. And that was one of the best decisions that I made was to go straight from school into practice. I ended up at a place that had wonderful doctors that I worked with and great mentors to me. Um, it wasn't the right fit long term, but it was a great way to start my career. Um, and I really encourage students that are kind of on the on the fence about that. If if they're they don't think internship is the right thing for them. There are plenty of great mentors out there waiting to give you what I used to joke was my private practice internship, um, where I actually worked appropriate hours and got paid pretty well. And I still learned how to be a general practitioner. So anyway, fast forward, you then uh, you've been in private practice, but something else really spectacular happened in your life a few months ago. 
yep, I'm a new dad. Congratulations. <laughs> so tell us how that, how has that been adapting and sort of making it work with a busy practice life? Oh, we are absolutely still adapting. And anybody who's <laughs> a new parent that says that they have it down within the first few months is lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to extend that to say if you ever say that, you're lying because uh, as great. parents of 18-year-old and 16-year-old, yeah, you're, you're never right. going to figure that one out. It's, We've got it, teenagers. We're still yeah. working on it. <laughs> In fact, I, I, will, I, I will argue slightly, just slightly, uh, that those first few years, sometimes I look back fondly now because... Well, I can kind of control the hours. Like now they kind of come and go and they're like, oh, yeah, I'll be back whenever, Dad. Like, wait, wait, where are you going? I'm wait. just out with friends. But what? Yeah. So anyway. It's kind of like it's kind of like veterinary medicine that as soon as you think you have it under control, everything changes and now you got to readapt. <laughs> right. Exactly but, it right. Is, but it is a huge uh, change. Right. And so how have you found that? You know, being a father is a whole different level of responsibility. I mean, how are you coping? Uh, I'm definitely super lucky in that we have a lot of support from family that have allowed me to continue to spend time with meetings and things that when I'm late at work and I don't have to worry about who's, who's taking care of the baby. So, oh, so uh, you have been family, super lucky. So family lives nearby or something? Yeah. Wow. Uh, my parents and my wife's parents have been just amazing. What? They both live in the same general vicinity? Yep, I whoa. I went went away for went away for college, but then ended up back home, and I'm actually right now uh, a co-owner of the home practice where I shadowed as a pre-vet student. So wow. it's come full circle. That's wow. really pretty. I mean, that's amazing, and it's wonderful to have that support. But I, I think uh, veterinarians like you, people like you, are important for us to talk about because we talk so much about diversity and we talk so much about changing things up in veterinary medicine and. You know, you are the statistic we need. We need more new dads. We need more men in the industry. And we've got to have more conversations about what it's like and, and make sure you guys are included. I've argued that before we don't have rights for moms, but we really don't even start to even think about rights for dads. That's a good point. I took my paternity leave and I kind of joke that even though I'm a co-owner of the practice, I pooled my vacation time so that I could have a paternity leave because it wasn't something where I was just going to be guaranteed. And we're so short staffed with doctors right now that that had to go on the schedule six months in advance so that we'd have coverage when I was gone. Yeah. And I don't think we always think about new dads in terms of, you know, hey, he's tired too. He's losing sleep. But we often take that sympathy for new moms and it's essential we do. But so we appreciate you taking the time and we know mom's babysitting today so you could be here and have this conversation with us to, to tell us more about how you got to where you are today and where you've kind of come up with this imagination and this really super fun uh, Harry Potter relation to veterinary medicine. Yeah, I like like many young vets, I guess young vets, new vets, uh, I kind of hit that point early in my career where I was looking for something more. Um, you know, things start to pile on and whether it was burnout or compassion fatigue or whatever affects the individual, it was certainly piling on at that moment. And and I, I had that decision to make of, of what am I going to do moving forward to kind of get myself out of this low point. And I had had friends that had gone into industry and gone into different jobs. And I was just settling down roots in my hometown. And so that didn't seem like a, a good idea. Um, and luckily, I, I stumbled into uh, writing, actually. Uh, there was a, a veterinarian who has an, an on online community that 
was posting his own articles and then decided to make a call for authors. And so I submitted something and I kind of expected them to say, uh, who are you to submit to us? Like, this is not worth us even reading, let alone publishing. And they published it. So to me, it was like getting published in JAVMA. It was a big deal. Um, and so that's where it kind of started. And I commit, I continued to submit some things and it didn't really take off until I submitted a silly little fluff piece about the uh, vet med lessons from the magical creatures of Harry Potter. And I kind of, I literally probably spent less time writing that than any other piece that I'd submitted. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's how Toto did did Africa. So it's sometimes the best pieces. (laughs) Right. But it's one of those things where you never really know what's going to hit, but when it does, then it's kind of an indication of, Oh, maybe I'm onto something here. Um, So were you, were you a Harry Potter fanatic? To be honest, I'm not sure I would call myself the excessive fanatic. I was definitely a fan. I had seen everything. Um, The Fantastic Beasts, the first movie, was just coming out, and uh, and I was wanting to do something. I had seen somebody write a piece that was similar in relation to Star Wars. It was like that med lessons from Star Star Wars, and I thought, okay, well, (laughs) I'm a Harry Potter fan. Let me let me do the the Harry Potter version of that, Um, Uh. and it. And it worked. And it did work. It, and it's certainly uh, very entertaining. It is kind of funny because, so I was reading Harry Potter to my girls when they were four. So we have a little different, like they are fanatics. And there's a, there are a lot of people, especially those younger kids that are just, you know, I mean, it's a big part of their life. In fact, my older daughter has just graduated from high school and a lot, I mean, like the Harry Potter thing pops up at their party. So it's kind of, it's a big deal. Yeah, I didn't, I don't think I realized how, much it has kind of gotten into the pop culture that even people that really haven't read the books or watched the movies 20 years ago, they still know the references and they still identify. So when I started it, I thought I was going to have this really small niche market of veterinary professionals who were super Harry Potter fans. And it's kind of expanded from that because people understand what you say when you say Dementor or when you talk about a spell. Um, And even if they don't know it as thoroughly as true fanatics do, it's still enjoyable for them. I think it's an amazing um, parallel. And and I think, you know, for our generation, Harry Potter, like Dr. Ernie said, you know, he read it to his daughters. Um, We grew up watching the movies, reading the books, and uh, it is symbolic part of pop culture. Everywhere I go and do lectures, I I have a Marauder's Map iPad cover (laughs) and people will see it and they're always showing me their tattoos and I'm like that's some serious that's some serious devoted fanhood there but I think what you're doing on a greater level is more important and kind of what we want to talk about today in terms of you know not taking yourself overly serious um, being able to find some fun parallels to what we do every day and you know I, I saw an article the CDC has now officially diagnosed uh, it's found burnout to be an official diagnosis in relation to work and so we are now calling burnout a disease in America. I think that's a pretty phenomenal revelation and what you're doing is working against that, right? I mean, that's that's really the bottom line, what we're doing. Yeah, it's, I, my, my tagline that I tried to come up with was discovering the magic in veterinary medicine, but sometimes yeah. the magic is finding the fun right. in veterinary medicine. Yeah, it, it's such an important point. And, um, you know, are, are we forgetting to have fun? Yeah, I remember 
again, one of those kind of low moments early in my career was I realized that the appointments that I loved the most were the puppy and kitten appointments. And I had been trained in veterinary medicine. It's more than puppies and kittens. It's not just puppies and kittens. And then I had that moment of, wait, that's the part I like the most. So am I not a good veterinarian? Because the part I like is the part that we're supposed to say it's more than just that. It's well, not yeah. it's not just that. But that was kind of one of the turning points was realizing, you know, what, it's OK to enjoy the puppy and kitten appointments. It's OK to find the things that you actually really like and that are really fun. And it's not bad to say, hey, you know what? This is my favorite part of the day and I'm going to enjoy it. I, I love that you make that point. I have um, started to lecture on compassion satisfaction. And that's, you know, that 180 degrees from compassion fatigue is can we focus on the f- things that we find most satisfying, embrace them and find a way to work them into our everyday life. And you, you, you've done exactly that. And I think we need to talk a lot more about that. Yeah, there's and, there, and it's different for everybody. Like for me, I, I learned that I saw a bunch of puppies and kittens and I got to be really good at that first appointment and connecting with that owner and discussing the the health, but also the kind of well-being of the owner and the, and the, and the new pet. Um, and so I found that very enjoyable. But I know other people that absolutely hate that. So that's not where they're going to find the fun in veterinary medicine. Yeah. And what about working within a team? I mean, because this is something we, we talk a lot about. Certainly, you know, I've spent most of my public career discussing teamwork and staff training and building harmony. Uh, but but where do you see this sort of uh, attitude fitting in with that? Like, how do you have fun with your team and try to inspire them to do the same? Yeah. One of my favorite blogs that I ever wrote was how to be a leader when you're not the boss. And it was about my vet assistants who I was having a bad day and it was clear to everybody in the office that I was having a bad day. And, you know, it happens. But instead of them spiraling with me, they decided to try to pull me out of it. And suddenly there was a clock on the wall and suddenly there were these random stickers that I guess some some drug rep had dropped off for some promotion. And suddenly the clock had eyes and then a dog's tongue and then a top hat. And and every time I came out of the room, there was something different. And and in about a span of an hour, suddenly my mood had completely changed. And it was because of the magic of those those team members who I joke were my my Fred and George to make the, the Harry Potter reference. They were the jokesters that used the fun to try to lift me out of that so that we could do our work that we needed to do that day. Right. And and this really, to tie back into the Harry Potter, this is the the teamwork. I mean, really, without Ron and Hermione, you know, and certainly Harry being this cohesive unit, none of them would have survived. Uh, certainly not Harry. So I really don't want to go down the rabbit hole too far here, <laughs> Becky. But, <laughs> no, but, you know, it, it really is. And you have to, they leaned on, they had mentors, you know, I mean, they, they had all types of people that made their life fun and interesting. And, and Harry was always dropping his wand. And that was his, his vulnerability. But yet someone came and saved the day. In your case, they put stickers on the clock and made your day a little brighter instead of spiraling out of control. So I, I do like that those aspects. But let's talk a little bit more, though, about you know the challenges that today's vets face. And one of the things, a theme that we keep going back to is today the additional pressure from social media. Now, you are sort of making your way in social media. You know, you have a very creative Instagram account, but you also, you know, and, and maybe you're shielded somewhat from some of the criticisms that, you know, uh, ABC Vet Hospital might get. But yep. what advice do you have for veterinarians who are getting those 
those one-star Yelp reviews and getting the really nasty comments because um, I know I sure get my share of them. Yeah, I know. It's it's really hard when you focus on the negative. So I, I'm, I'm not a health a mental health professional by any means, but I think one of the things that is that when you're getting to that dark place, there are certain people out there that don't want to admit that they're getting there and telling you to go to the self-help section of the of the bookstore there's certain people that are never going to do that because they don't want to admit but i think that's one of the things through harry potter vet that i've found is that when you make light of it by associating it with a harry potter reference now it's approachable so dealing with your depression is is daunting but fighting a dementor now is suddenly a different shift and now you can talk about it in a different way um, and talk about casting a veterinary patronus to protect yourself as opposed to uh kind of dealing with the heavier things and it and hopefully opens the door so that people are able to kind of approach things that maybe they weren't going to approach before um and so trying to find the fun through harry potter again seems really silly and quite honestly i understand that true mental health professionals would think that this is totally ridiculous but there's something to be said for finding fun in this and allowing it to open the door so then you can then do what you need to do you know and i don't want to be argumentative at all i just want to say that i don't know that they would and i too am not a mental health professional but i think they would say nope you're exactly right here you're finding something relatable and you're finding something safe and you're finding something that brings a common ground to people to bring a conversation about that is difficult to have from a, a straight on angle but if i can approach it at a 45 degree i can start to say things that i i couldn't maybe necessarily say front and center so i would i would go to say that you are actually Actually, starting a conversation in an important way, creating a safe place, and um, and making that work for people. Um, and so, I, I it is silly. You're right, but silly, I think, is very important. And that's the next thing I want to ask you about. Um, you know, and very specifically, talk to you about this when we were setting up the show. Is you know, how can you? still be taken seriously and not be overly serious and embrace a side because I think this is where people get scared and uncomfortable. How can I be silly in my day-to-day and my clients and my staff and my coworkers will still take me seriously? How do you how do you bridge that? How do you work that? Yeah, I think it's a delicate balance and and to be honest, I think that's one of the things that I love about my staff is they know when it's appropriate to be fun and silly and when they need to turn the switch and be serious. And in veterinary medicine, it's definitely a fine line. When you're in there with that new puppy and kitten appointment, absolutely turn on the silly because you're trying to to uh, talk to talk to an owner who just got a new puppy and it's amazing and they're so happy. When they come in for their euthanasia, probably not the right time to be cracking jokes unless the owner gives you the the sign that they're that that's what they want to do. Sure. And, and and I think that's exactly right. And, and while I know a lot of veterinary professionals, you guys, I'm not picking on you, but we sometimes our social function. I see us, you know, we, we get together in big groups. We know how this goes. But what about when it's with your coworkers? What about can a doctor on a staff be can can you be silly and still be taken seriously? How how did you come into practice with your staff and did you catch them off guard and how? How do you recommend or help our listeners start to embrace that silly side and and safely and confidently? It's very delicate, and I've seen doctors do it the wrong way. Um, I definitely have been 
a part of practices where some of the staff didn't like a certain doctor because they misinterpreted a joke. And now the doctor thought they were being funny, but instead the doctor offended the person and they don't even know that they offended them. Um, and so it's, it's certainly a fine line that you've, you've got to, you've got to walk. And if you don't know your team, then you, it's, not bad to kind of hold back a little bit until you start to know your team a little bit better. The new person coming into the team that's cracking jokes right away, depending on what they're talking about, sometimes that helps them to be integrated. And sometimes that can be really isolating. If you're joking about things that other people find very seriously and you haven't spent the time to understand that yet, it can be really dangerous. Yeah, and I'll just kind of revisit an article I wrote over 15 years ago about the dangers of sarcasm in the clinic. And and this is, is sort of, I think, what Mike's saying that, you know, jokes can be interpreted a wide variety of ways. And sometimes you think it's landing in a positive fashion, but yet to someone else, it's quite offensive. And, and if I, you know, I read an article basically saying that I had completely eliminated, and I'm a very sarcastic guy, Becky, you know me as well as any, you know, I, I live on sarcasm, but I completely eliminated that behavior from my clinical practice for fears of that. So I recognized early on that sarcasm is one of those things that is best served very lightly and discreetly. And perhaps it's not always best for a leader to, to sometimes use that tactic. So again, it, it is a fine line. You have to be cognizant of how you're being received. And you really have to understand that it is uh, temporal, meaning that there are certain times when it is perfectly appropriate to be silly and wear a crazy hat or clown nose and then other times when it's highly inappropriate absolutely and i think the it's it's like everything else in veterinary medicine that sometimes it's it comes with time and me trying to tell a new doctor this is exactly what you need to do it's not going to be as effective as learning it as you progress through your career and same thing for support staff if you've never worked in veterinary medicine and suddenly there's a, a new receptionist i've i've heard that specifically where new people into our field get offended by the types of jokes that we make because they don't understand the humor of of veterinary medicine because there are certain things that seem to cross the line but in your team you've all decided that this is what we do to get through the day and when somebody new comes in now that was a really inappropriate comment to make and and it goes off the wrong way yeah, and I think we've all experienced that in veterinary medicine. I think we would all agree that we do sort of have this sort of um, quote-unquote dark sense of humor where we make light of situations as a coping mechanism. Right. And from the outside, that coping mechanism of laughter around really somewhat difficult things, it, it seems off balance, but for us it is sort of what creates that balance. And, in, in, and you're exactly right. I think it's super important to create that. Yeah, and I remember sitting through a, um, I think it was compassion fatigue lecture, and it was done by a human health professional and talking about how, well, dark humor is a sign that you're spiraling out of control. And I remember <laughs> looking at the veterinary people in the room thinking, well, they would never survive in our clinic because that's how we cope. And, and, and I think that's one of the things is that these coping mechanisms are different for everybody. Um, I To come back to that whole Dementor thing, the, the thing with the Dementors was recovering with chocolate. Well, everybody's chocolate is different in veterinary medicine. Some That's people right. some people have different things they need to do to recover. That's I, And I love that relation. And I think that's where you stay in the safe zone. I think because you are making a joke and using a relatable thing that has a lot of fantasy imagery and, and quote unquote, you know, 
you know, fictional backing, it makes it stay kind of in a safe place for that sense of humor. But what I kind of wanted to ask you, um, you know, just briefly was, okay, we know it's important to be careful. We know we've got to do it. But what's the effects? What's the detriment of not having a sense of humor in practice? Like what happens if you can't be silly? Why is it important to be silly? Why is this an important, tough topic for us? That's a, that's a good point. And I think some of it is because in our profession, whether you like it or not, you are a business person where you're trying to sell yourself and sell your recommendations and you've got to connect with that pet owner. And there's some pet owners where that fun and silly is the way that you connect. And if you just come in and you're a robot, then you're no different than any other person they've ever talked to. And suddenly your recommendations don't mean anything. And I think the same thing goes for employees when you're very cold and robotic, it can come across that you don't really care about them. And so sometimes finding this fun is a way to connect to people. Yeah. And I think fun is just an extension of positivity, of optimism. Like, you know, I think that the reality is you're a fun person, even if you don't have the best one liners or can quote Harry Potter spells. Right. I <laughs> yeah. mean, you know, so it's it really should be an embodiment of who you are truly. And I think that's that's where I always like try to, you know, end up with these types of conversations. It's like for, for Mike, he's, he's found it through humor and he's sharing a, an important message through Harry Potter characters and stories. And so I love that. But if you're listening today and you go, well, look, that's not my thing. That's okay. You got to find your thing. And I think that when people try to insert themselves in a thing that's not their thing, then that's when it rings inauthentic. And that's when it rings as you know disingenuine. And I think that's when everybody just sort of is reviled by the whole thing. And they go, what in the heck are you trying to do? It's not you. And so for you, this is a great, great place to land. I really appreciate your efforts uh, for the profession because we do need more um, levity in our profession. Uh, we do need to make sure that we are finding the fun in our daily practice, finding the magic, as you say. And I think that whatever vehicle you use, whether it's Star Wars or, or Harry Potter or heck, I don't, I don't know, Becky, you know, it could be punk rock, but you got to find your thing and really try to share that with the world. That's, that's my really, my most important take home point. And I think it's true that people can see when you're not genuine. If you're yeah. trying to say that, oh, I'm, I'm the Harry Potter vet and here are all these things and you can't back it up with anything, then they're right. going to see right through that. I, I recently was at a conference and there was a group of uh, veterinary professionals who are Harry Potter fans and they wanted to pay, play this kids Harry Potter game and to be quite honest I was terrified that I was going to get blown out of the water and they were going to say who are you to be the Harry Potter vet you didn't get any questions right and so there was that that kind of fear of being disingenuine um, but uh, it ended up being really fun so even the people that were a part of it that didn't do well we had found a group of people that had something in common and were very positive people. So we've made it fun even when we struggled through it. So I, I think that's the other thing that I very consciously has have tried from the beginning with this Harry Potter vet was to always try to stay on the positive side because it's very easy in veterinary medicine to go negative. And I think that was part of my shift in my career was when I started having more colleagues that found the positive aspects of our career and it changed my perception of what I was doing. And so if I can do even just a little bit of that for something, somebody else, um, then I'd be, I, that's, that's the goal. Well, you are certainly accomplishing that goal. You are bringing the magic back to veterinary medicine. If you want to find out more about what Dr. Michael Miller is doing and 
follow him on Instagram. You can go to harrypottervet.com or you can follow him on Instagram at harrypottervet. Any other places, Mike, that we need to send him to? Uh, I, I do have a Facebook page, but to be quite honest, I do most of the stuff on Instagram. And and I will say we talked a little bit earlier about social media uh, and kind of being careful and, and worried about the trolls out there. The social media community for veterinary professionals on Instagram has been the most positive, supportive group I've ever been a part of. So anybody out there, you don't have to have a million followers to get involved. There are people that are just starting and getting to be part of the conversation and enjoying that positivity that that group has created. So that's that's where I spend most of my time. And, and to be honest, that's where I get most of kind of the positive energy from other veterinary professionals. So I would I would recommend that to anybody who's considering doing something like this. I love it so much. And, and you know, you make such a great point that the trolls are out there find a community where you can be supported and and that's another thing that you are doing on you know your social media is is talking out about other technicians and veterinary professionals who are doing great things in the industry so thank you for bringing to light what they're doing and to help kind of singing the tunes of people out there who are just really working hard to make this a great profession and to get us all through together like you said uh, we've got to make it fun even when we're struggling through it it's such a, a salient point and thank you again so much for taking the time to be here with us today thank you for having me and if you want to be a part of our community if you want to be a viewfinder you can find us on instagram at veterinary viewfinder on twitter at vet viewfinder on facebook and everywhere that podcasts play thanks again mike for all you're doing i I love this and i love harry potter and this is some of my favorite stuff to talk about in the whole wide world while you're on the harry potter world go to itunes and leave us a quick five or four star review and let us know what you like and if you had something that harry potter vet has written or done or posted in your life that made a difference let us know we want to hear from you and don't forget to click to subscribe so you don't miss one great episode of the veterinary viewfinder until next time axio wand (laughs) goodbye bye bye Bye. yeah they don't really have a spell for goodbye they don't obliviate that's not quite what we were going for for this we don't want to not that kind of bye (laughs) oh man